Hey guys, before I start today's show, I, I wanted to do the ad up front for a couple of reasons, but mainly because I think today's show is going to be powerful and engaging. I talked with Zach over at Lorenzotti Coffee, and he doesn't want to interrupt the show with an ad today. So I want to take a second and thank our sponsor for today's show, and that is the aforementioned Lorenzotti Coffee. Lorenzotti, L-O-R. E is in Edward, N is in Nancy, Z is in Zebra, O-T-T-I dot coffee. If you go there and you use the promo code FICTION, you'll get 10% off your order. So go to Lorenzotti dot coffee and pick yourself up a couple of bags today. If you buy two, you get free shipping. So make sure you get enough to meet that minimum requirement and make sure you use the promo code FICTION so that they know I sent you. All right, let's get into the show. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote I know words, I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. Hope everybody had a nice weekend, all of you fiction peddlers out there, and you stayed safe, stayed out of trouble. Maybe you even attended some of these uh, Black Lives Matter protests that were all the rage in major cities across the country. I was up in Milwaukee, as I think I mentioned on Friday's show for the weekend, visiting my parents. They were having a little get-together, and um, that was was good. It was a lot of fun. Get to see. Hadn't seen them, actually, since this whole coronavirus thing started, at least not in person. And uh, we had some nice meals and got to see some family. And hopefully, you know, if all goes according to plan, nobody transmitted any coronavirus between people because we weren't exactly practicing social distancing. But I don't know. Um, you know, according to the media, that's that's no longer an issue, as long as the the reason you're gathering is as important as racism. And you know, I gotta say, I think family's pretty important. So hopefully, you know, everyone's gonna be okay. I guess only time will tell, right? We gotta wait ten more days or something to be sure everyone's in the clear. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. All that good stuff. Oh, speaking of which, Lori Lightfoot, the lovely, easy on the eyes Lori Lightfoot, has just decided to end summer as we know it here in Chicago. I just got word that she has decided to cancel the Chicago Air and Water Show, Lollapalooza, and the Taste of Chicago because COVID. Now all of a sudden... Once again, COVID's a concern when it comes to the entertainment of the American people. But I know for sure, for a fact, 
that this crazy broad was definitely on board with millions of people taking to the, the streets to protest. Of course. I mean, nothing can be more important than showing the world you're against racism, right? Because this day and age, there's we really have to be brave and stand out and come up, uh, come out against racism, as if that's a brave stance to take in 2020. It really is just unbelievable how people are giving themselves this gigantic pat on the back because they're not racist and they're going to show you how how uh, serious and tough and, and radical they are by coming out against racism. Congratulations, a position that 99% of people in the world agree with you on. I mean, you're in lockstep with everybody, the academia, mainstream media, the government, the uh, Hollywood, <laughs> the vast majority of the culture. That takes no guts at all to be against racism. That's an easy position to take. And yes, it's the correct position to take as well. But coming out and giving yourself all of these virtue signal points because you're not racist. I mean, and you're you're coming out and standing against racism like you're risking something by coming out and taking that stance. Like Nothing bad is ever going to happen to you if you come out and announce to the world that you're not racist. You're not risking anything. You're not risking your job. You're not risking your livelihood or your... Uh, safety in any way, the, the safety of your loved ones. Everyone's on board with not being racist. I mean, the, the vast majority of people. So get over yourself. Me just doing this podcast on this topic, I, I'm risking more than you are. But anyway, just <laughs> canceling. I mean, I don't give a shit about Lollapalooza or the taste of Chicago. I wouldn't be caught dead there because of just the crowds of people and the fact that I hate people and I hate crowds. But the air and water show I do enjoy, not from a, a crowded space on land, but I, uh, you know, I have a couple buddies with access to boats, which is the best way of boating is to know somebody who has a boat and not be the one responsible for the boat yourself, but to go out on the water and have the, you know, the blue angels fly right over your head. And it's pretty easy. You know, we know exactly the flight path that they're going to take most of the time. And it's, it's fun to be out on the water, out on the boat, drinking, take a little dip in the, in the lake and, and having those planes fly around. Nope, can't do that. But we can, you know, protest and, and get into huge groups of people and walk down the street. That's That, of course, is apparently no risk. COVID-19 knows the difference. If you're out because you're anti-racism and you're for Black Lives Matter, then COVID-19 is obviously just going to pass over you. But if you're out in crowds because you want to listen to music or you want to eat some food, you want to live your life, then no, 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 COVID-19 is not going to have any of that. It's going to be all over you, all over you. What, what a bunch of nonsense. I mean, what if, what if I just put on a, a Black Lives Matter sign while I go to the air and water show? I could be protesting and watching the airplanes. Wouldn't that, you know, solve both problems? Or, or can I just carry around a sign so that COVID-19 knows that I'm one of the good guys? Don't come after me. I'm protesting. I'm just protesting on the water as planes fly overhead. I can hold up signs for the planes. You don't think the guys flying the Blue Angels need to know that black lives matter? I mean, come on. If anybody, the, you know, the, the ones bombing all the black and brown people uh, overseas should know that their lives matter as well. <laughs> anyway. 
the the protests are basically kind of what I want to focus today's show on because I've had some more thoughts about w- what's been going on over the last uh, few days since Friday's episode, and I know I've I've covered the you know the riots and and some of the the angles to this. I've tried to do it in different ways because I know this is what everybody's talking about. And there are a lot of really good libertarian podcasts out there that are tackling a lot of the issues that I, I agree with and I would like to talk about. But, you know, if uh, like part of the problem or something does does an episode, you know, Dave does a pretty good job of covering just about everything. I don't want to just rehash w- what he's talking about. And I, I do want to try to add to the conversation and, and not just have everybody talking about the same thing. And on Friday's show, I talked a little bit about defunding the police force. And on the episode before that, I talked about privatizing, or maybe both episodes, I can't really remember. All these days seem to blend together about the ideas of privatizing uh, police or security forces and things like that. And it turns out over, I think it was over the weekend, Minnesota the Minnesota Minneapolis City Council voted to dismantle their police department as it is now and rebuild it into some other type of entity and you know like retrain it the, the way it was the way it was structured they they didn't think it could be reformed and then sort of alongside of that you're here you're seeing this movement to defund police altogether and there, there's a lot of confusion as to what that actually means. You know, I talked about on the last show what they really meant, or at least what most of them really meant, was that they just weren't going to increase their budgets year over year anymore. And that the, them not giving them the increase was actually defunding them, or they were going to cut their budgets a little bit or whatever. But you've actually seen some on the left come out and and talk about defunding police departments completely, like abolishing them. And it's funny because some on the left that tried to come out and try to walk back what defunding actually means in, of course, really retarded ways, as always. Surprise, surprise. Because I think it finally dawned on them what the implications of really, truly defunding would be. I saw one tweet that Tom Woods highlighted uh, said, defunding police means to and then it listed like a two or three things of what it meant and like the first thing listed was fund the police which is just <laughs> only only a psychotic sjw could take defund to actually mean fund and then i saw some aoc tweets which are always a pleasure to read said that uh defunding means that black and brown communities are asking for the same budget priorities that white communities have already created for themselves. Uh, okay. Like what what does that even mean? Like a, a lot of these communities are run by black people. I have tons of black people in them. I I don't even know what, what we created for ourselves. I haven't created anything. My budget priority? I mean Jesus Christ, my budget priority is zero. I'm on board with the abolition, which I've seen calls for like completely defunding police. And that's a very radical position to take. Probably not the best approach. I mean, if you want to take it from an anarcho-capitalist, one who takes a lot of radical positions, I mean, leading with that as your go-to idea will probably not go over too well 
with the vast majority of people. Like, everyday Americans are not looking around cities on fire right now thinking, you know, I'd like to remove the last line of defense against this angry mob that wants to destroy my town. I'd like to get rid of that today. <laughs> I mean, even even libertarians, like all of the minarchist libertarians out there, one of the reasons they aren't full-blown anarchists is because they can't get past the idea of privatizing police services. It's a big hurdle. I know it. I, it was a big hurdle for me to get over as well. So it's pretty wild to hear just... <laughs> These people talk about like full-blown anarchism, and most of them probably don't even realize that they're saying it. They don't understand the implications of what they're saying. We don't want any more police. Oh, okay, because I, I bet anyone advocating for no more police in the next breath would be talking about common-sense gun control, right? I mean, who's going to control it? If you get rid of all the police, who's going to enforce your laws? How's that going to work? I mean, without the enforcement wing of the government, all these laws are just nothing. They're, they're basically uh, how the government treats the laws that they break every day because the government doesn't enforce the laws on itself. So it would just be like they would say something and we could just do whatever the hell we want and there'd be no police around to enforce it. I mean, I hear abolish the police and I got to tell you, I'm into it. I'm absolutely into it. First thing that went to my mind was, oh, there, there won't be anybody prowling around raping people with chicken shit tickets. I saw like three or four people get pulled over on, the, on my drive back from Milwaukee. You're driving too fast. Oh, that, that would be gone. And, and who's going to come throw me in a cage if I stop paying my taxes? Well, what's going to happen when everybody stops paying their taxes? What's going to happen to this government apparatus? What then? These are, these are exciting ideas, if you ask me. But the average people are, are sitting around thinking, okay, what if somebody tries to break into my house? Who am I going to call? And none of these people advocating for defunding police seem to have an answer for that. They haven't even thought about it. They have not thought any of this through. I mean, I like the idea of people taking their protection into their own hands. I just don't think people calling for defunding police realize that that means more people are going to become staunch advocates for the Second Amendment and their right to own several uh, large magazine firearms capable of being, you know, weapons of war or whatever you want to call it. And while I am in favor of experimentation with different types of policing, I don't think, like I said on the last episode, that as long as you have a monopoly over it, you're not going to get any accountability. This is going to, no matter what they try to do, it's going to devolve into just the exact same sorts of problems you have. I think in Minnesota, they're going to dismantle the, the current police force structure and replace it with something, with another government-run police Force. They're just going to call it something else, I suppose. They wanted to replace it with a more holistic approach to policing. And um, I, I'm not exactly sure what they mean by that, but it does freak me out a little bit to some degree. The left has taken over a lot of institutions in the country. 
I think it's fairly obvious that they have a, a, a stranglehold on the corporate press, the mainstream media. They have a stranglehold over academia, education, higher education, lower education across the board. They have Hollywood, right? They have uh, a vast majority of, uh, of government as well. And there's really very few institutions that counterbalance that. And one of them would probably be, you know, the military and the police. Now, not to say that having a right-wing military and police is a good thing, but the what worries me about having this movement coming from the left to dismantle police forces and rebuild them in this holistic image that the that these like crazy social justice warriors view at the way they view the world. I mean, these are the people who think everything's a microaggression and that's hate speech and misgendering and that's violence. Like hate speech is violence and, you know, hormones for children. They're literally like the thought police. And, and they think that if you think or say the wrong things, that that's justification for violently attacking you. I mean, look at Antifa running wild in the streets, not just this past week or so, but going back the last few years, protesting people, you know, like Ben Shapiro, speaking at a college, couldn't speak at a college. They they would have huge riots and and be attacking people, hitting people over the heads with bike locks. And right now they don't really have any power in in the policing arena. But if this is, if this movement is successful in, not defunding, but dismantling the police force as we know it and replacing it with like a left-wing, hard-left agenda-driven police force that still has all of the government power that the police force does now, the monopoly on the use of force and the enforcement of their laws. I mean, what what are they going to do to people like me who have a podcast, who who say things that aren't approved speech on the left or who might be critical of, of their movement or something like that? I mean, I, I think they, they could end up being far more oppressive and abusive than the ones we have right now. Uh, and so that was just one one aspect of this. This looks like a, a power grab to me. Th- this doesn't seem to seem to be about what they're telling us that it's about. And you get all these virtue signaling politicians out there now. They're marching in lockstep with Black Lives Matter. And, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Politicians don't care about black lives. I don't care what they say. Look at what they do. They care about their lives. They care about their power. And they care about your votes to keep them in power. But if you're looking to government, to politicians, to improve your lot in life, you're already fucked. I'm sorry. You're just, you're done for. The only people politicians pull out of poverty is themselves through theft, through violent expropriation of the rest of us, through corruption at your expense, not for you. They're not doing anything for us. That's what they tell you. They're not working for you. They're exploiting you. They're exploiting all of us. And that's why they have this desire to jump all over every single tragedy to pit us against each other. That's why they're so quick to jump on this one. 
They, they barely missed a beat. They took a, a look around. They said, how can we uh, make this work for us? Oh, look, we can blame all of these uh, struggles that people are having, all of their discontent, all of the problems in their lives or all of their shortcomings that, you know, for the most part, we as the government are responsible for, but we would never tell them that or even if we were conscious of the ma- of the fact. But we can blame it all on institutional racism, this mystical boogeyman that literally anything and everything qualifies as an example, as proof that this, that this thing exists. I mean, anytime there is any disparity between races or genders or any other category of people that they've, devi- they've decided to divide us subjects into, well, this disparity is obviously due to institutional this or institutional that. And so vote for me. I will put an end to racism. I will put an end to gender discrimination. I will pass a law and I got this bill and this legislation and I'll put an end to this or that. And the list goes on. And they get to point to something that is vague. It's ill-defined. It's defined in such a way that it's impossible to prove otherwise because they just get to assert that it's true. And you can't question it or, or make an argument because this is an emotionally charged thing. And if you disagree with them, well, you're a racist Nazi. And then they get to violently expropriate us in the name of solving these impossible, unsolvable, and in some cases, non-existent problems. You see, they get you looking one way, they get you all riled up about some buzzword boogeyman while they continue to be the real oppressors, the real problem, the thing that is standing between you and liberty, between you and the life you want, is government, and that's what they want to distract you from. It's these politicians and they get to line their pockets in the process. And there are far too many people that have bought into this narrative hook, line, and sinker that are emotionally charged and emotionally invested in the government and the corporate press's narrative that no amount of evidence to the contrary is going to change their minds. And then there are others that are too afraid to speak out against the mob for fear of being ostracized from society. I know people who are planning on attending some of these protests simply because they don't want their friends to think that they're racist or that they're not supportive of this movement. And look, I know all of these protesters. I know that their heart is in the right place for the most part. Now, I'm not talking about the people that were looting and rioting and destroying people's businesses and defacing private property and uh, property in general. Obviously, as I've said on previous shows, I don't think there's a place for people like that in society. But the people that are just recognizing real problems in society and not knowing what to do or how to solve them, and so they they make a sign and they march because that's what we do. That's how we seek a redress of grievances from our government now. This is the best we can hope for in this system. And so you protest. You make a sign and you walk down the street or you you get in your car and you drive around honking your horn. I never understood the point of that. I, I don't think protests ever really work. Um, at least you don't get the desired outcome you want. It just seems like a real low IQ way of going about things to just 
chant uh, like like robots and and march down the street. But I get that your heart's in the right place. It's your mind that we need to free. Your mindset's all wrong. You're 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 too close-minded to other solutions that don't involve government. But the people that really bug me are the ones that, well, if you don't protest, that means that you don't, uh, that you're against this movement or something like that. You're, you're, that you're a racist or you're not upset about what happened. I, I just disagree with that. I mean, just because I don't want to march down the street doesn't mean that I, I'm not upset about a guy, like an unarmed guy being killed by the police. It's ridiculous. And submission, more than anything now, it seems is what this movement has become about. Submit to the mob, bend the knee, apologize for your original sin, and you're guilty just for existing. And if you don't submit to the mob, well, obviously, you're a Nazi. You're a white supremacist. You're a racist. So, yeah, I'm not going to get on board with that. Uh, I'm not going to bend the knee for anybody. I, I haven't oppressed anybody. I don't have to apologize to anybody for my immutable characteristics any more than any person of color has to. I'm not going to intimidate people into aligning themselves with my position. I, I think it's much more productive for me to talk into this microphone and try and win hearts and minds than intimidate people into falling in line. And I mean, what is... What else is a protest, really? I mean, you're just you're, you're getting a, a mob of people together. You're marching down the street with a sign chanting slogans. And the more numbers you have, the more power you have. It just seems to be a form of intimidating people into aligning themselves with your movement or else. Or else what? Or else they'll get violent or, you know, it doesn't have to be peaceful. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's uh, that the movement has to be bad. Or it has to have malevolent intentions. But that just seems like what, what protests are, because nobody's really making an argument. You're just shouting things and making assertions, and anyone that's not involved, anyone that doesn't partake, is part of the problem, apparently. And this is rapidly becoming what looks to be like a huge power grab by the left wing in America, and they're going to use it to push their hardcore socialist agenda. They're going to play on the fear of most Americans that don't want to be labeled a racist and all of these other self-loathing white people who want a virtue signal to the world to show how sympathetic they are and how they aren't literally Hitler so that they can feel good about themselves. And believe it or not, the reason these social justice warriors feel such a need to prove to the world how not racist they are is because they are, in fact, obsessed with race. They are obsessed with gender. They are obsessed with sexual orientation. These are the prisms through which they view the world. This is all about projection, and I've talked about that before on the show. But deep down in places, these people don't talk about in public. They don't talk about at parties. On some level, they know that they are the ones racially profiling, racially discriminating, like the closeted homosexual who goes to great lengths to show you how straight and masculine he is, right? 
these people will virtue signal to distract from the fact that that's the first thing they notice about you is your race. And then they make all sorts of assumptions based purely off of that. You see, as libertarians, race isn't an issue for us, or at least it shouldn't be. Gender isn't an issue. Sexual orientation isn't an issue. You'll notice that I rarely talk about these things unless it's provoked, unless I'm basically forced to address them because of a news event or something happening in the culture. There's a reason for that. It's because race and gender and all of these immutable characteristics of people are utterly meaningless to us as libertarians. They just don't matter. They're irrelevant. Are you for liberty or are you for tyranny? That's what matters. Are you for the state or do you hate the state? Are you peaceful and are you tolerant? Or are you aggressing against otherwise peaceful people? You see, your natural rights don't depend on your skin color or your sexuality. You have rights as an individual human being. That's the only type of equality there really is. You don't have special privileges bestowed upon you by your rulers in Washington because they've decided to target your group as a voting block. That is not equality. And they talk about equality in these fantastical terms, as if there's ever been equality between races or even equality within the same race. I mean, just compare some hillbilly in Missouri to somebody who's living in, I don't know, the Hamptons. There's no equality there. Hell, I mean, even within the same family, you can have two siblings that can't achieve total equality or anything close to it. Why would we expect that large swaths of the population of American people to somehow go off and pursue their own self-interest and turn out with an equal distribution of things? I mean, even if you were to somehow make that happen, if you made everything in the world equal, you know, all of these wise overlords in Washington, or, or I guess around the world, all the, the big government guys around the world, they all got together. And they took everything and they gave everybody their fair share of all the goods and services and money and resources and all the stuff that they harp on. They divided it perfectly equal among every single human being on earth. The very next day when people wake up and when somebody does something, when they exercise any amount of liberty, we're back to being unequal again, aren't we? I mean, these are impossible goals. It, it, they're meaningless. Saying you want equality is meaningless. It's impossible. The only real type of equality we can have is that of natural negative rights. We all have the right not to be killed. George Floyd's right was violated, just like the rights of many other people at the hands of government police. And that's not to say what happened to him wasn't horrific, and totally unacceptable, and that the cops who uh, were standing around and the cop directly involved should have been put in handcuffs immediately, right there on the spot. That's obvious. I haven't really heard any anybody, or at least I, I don't think I have, heard, heard anybody trying to even make that argument. Even like really right-wing pro-police guys were like, okay, yeah, th no, these guys belong in jail. They, they murdered that guy. But I do think you need to ask yourself, 
why these types of incidents get the fanfare, get all the media attention, get people rioting in the streets, and why nobody has ever heard the story of a Duncan Lemp, for instance, who was shot dead by police while sleeping next to his pregnant wife when they were supposed to be serving a no-knock warrant. I guess they just decided uh, instead to shoot him. And yes, I know the history of black people being oppressed in America and white people as a group have not been singled out and oppressed like that. I get it. But I think there's something larger at play here. Because you see, the Duncan Lemps of the world, and if you look at the numbers, it actually happens a lot more than you think. And the reason for that is because the media never covers it. But Duncan's story doesn't give the government and their corporate press lapdogs an opportunity to pit Americans against each other. It's just a pure example of the state oppressing the people. A militarized police force killing an unarmed, nonviolent, non-threatening person for basically no reason. There's no opportunity for them to exploit it to drive a wedge between Americans and distract them with the narrative of racism. So there's no coverage. I mean, like, none. I I heard about it on a libertarian podcast, Free Man Beyond the Wall, a couple of months ago, maybe. And no doubt, I'm sure a lot of the listeners of this show have, have heard the story, and several others like it, because we run in libertarian circles, and we always hear about police brutality of any race or creed because it's the, they're the enforcement wing of the state. So we run in these circles. But other than us, I mean, that's about it. And that's just one example off the top of my head because it happened recently. But there are a ton of these. They just don't fit the narrative that they want you to believe, the narrative that they can use to manipulate and control you, to influence you, to do what they want, which is submit, to advocate for bigger government, to advocate for more government control over your life. There was a uh, Wall Street Journal op-ed the other day that I was reading with staggering statistics on police brutality that just basically eviscerate this whole racist narrative. And, you know, I'm going to give you the stats here in a minute, but know that it's not going to matter. Not one bit to the vast majority of people. You see, they've already made up their mind on this, and no amount of evidence to the contrary is going to change them. This is an emotional thing. We, we make decisions emotionally, and then we rationalize them logically. But I'm going to do it just to further illustrate my point. Because last year, in 2019, there were like a 1,000 people killed by police, okay? 25% of them were black. 25%. That means 75% of the people were not black. And if you look at the racial breakdown of people being convicted of crimes, because people committing the crimes would obviously be coming into contact with police more. If you're not coming into contact with police, you don't give them the opportunity to kill you as often, right? But the, the most recent statistics we have on that, according to this article, were from 2018, and 53% of the murders in that year were committed, allegedly, I suppose, by black people. And 60%, about 60% of the robberies. So they're having the majority of run-ins with the police, but they're actually being underrepresented 
in that they aren't the majority of people killed by police. And that doesn't mean that, I don't know, it was Floyd killed out of racism? Maybe. Maybe, but not necessarily. I don't know. There just there isn't statistical evidence that anyone can point to of cops going around murdering people simply because they're black. The statistics actually suggest otherwise. The statistics show that they go around murdering people because they're cops. And they have absolute power. They have a monopoly on law enforcement. And this is the type of abuse that you suffer under those types of conditions. And I think there's a lot of reasons. There's plenty of explanations for those crime statistics to explain the disparity in those numbers, none of which have anything to do with the color of someone's skin. This is a poverty issue. This is the breakup of the American family thanks to the welfare state. This is the war on drugs. I mean, how many of those deaths, both committed by black people and perpetrated against them by the police, are due to the drug war. If we just legalized all the drugs, you'd eliminate like the vast majority of those deaths. And the state imprisoning peaceful people for victimless crimes, breaking up the family again, uh, uh, the minimum wage and licensing legislation, the list goes on and on. And I've talked about a lot of them on the show before. But these are all just examples of how the state has created an environment where young, desperate, Poor people, namely black people, may turn to a life of crime, so-called crime defined by the state. I mean, there are so many avenues to prosperity that are shut down by these well-intentioned government programs that a lot of times a young black kid living in the city, they don't see any other option than to sell drugs, than to get into crime. It's, it's a vicious cycle. That, that perpetuates itself, and it's, it's created and perpetuated by government, not racism, government policies. But if 100% of the time a black person is killed by a cop, they report on it. And close to 0% of the time when anybody else is, is involved with an officer-involved killing, of course it's going to seem like this is a purely racist uh, police force-driven, you know, solely for their hatred of black people. They're just going around and only killing black people because that's all they're reporting. And I'm not even suggesting that they shouldn't report on every black person being killed. They should. I want to know. I think everyone should know. But the other you know, 750 people killed last year, we should know about them too. Why don't we? It can't be an accident. It's not an oversight. There's a reason for this. They are manipulating us because as long as it's us peasants that are busy fighting amongst ourselves, the ruling elites, they're safe. That's why you see them falling in line uh, one by one. Mitt Romney marching with Black Lives Matter, the Mormon millionaire hundreds of times over, making his money from leveraged buyouts of companies and liquidating companies that probably employed a lot of middle and lower class black people. You think Mitt Romney gives a rip about you? Nancy Pelosi culturally appropriating some African garb thing and kneeling in silence on TV, you know, before she goes back to her multi million dollar vineyard estate to sip some wine that probably costs more than you make in a month. 
you honestly believe that these people stand with you, that these people care about you, care about the plight of black people in America? Of course not. They just don't want you to realize that they are the problem and not the solution. They don't want you looking up. They want you looking down. They don't want you to realize that they are pulling the strings and the rest of us lemmings are the ones doing the dancing. Well, they get filthy rich off of our backs pretending to help you. They need us fighting. They need us distracted from the fact that this is not about racism, that this is about state oppression. I mean, they've been claiming to help black people in America for, what, the last 50-plus years? How are they doing so far? I mean, all of the problems that they point to as evidence of this institutional racism are worse now than they were 100 years ago. Income inequality, incarceration rates, overall poverty, anything you want to point to, anything that they harp on, they're all worse today. Are we to believe Are we to really honestly believe that we're more racist now than we were in the 1940s? Are you really going to make that argument? I mean, we're told that all of these disparities between black and white are due to the remnants of slavery and white oppression, right? If that was really the case, wouldn't those remnants have a more drastic effect back then in 1940 or 1930 or 1920? than they do now? So why is everything worse now? Why are these disparities even greater? Why haven't they made a dent in this problem? I got news for you. It's not because of Donald Trump or those evil Republicans. It's because government cannot solve problems of poverty and oppression. They can only cause them and exacerbate them. The reason all of these problems are so much worse today than they were 80 years ago is because we didn't have all this government 80 years ago. We didn't have all these destructive rules and laws and regulations. It's no wonder the black community is struggling today. They, more so than any other group, have been conditioned to look to government to be their saviors. They've been sold a bill of goods and an evil narrative and even if that narrative were true, would still be the most counterproductive, destructive thing that you could ever hammer into the psyche of a person. It angers me to hear politicians pander to the black community like they, they're somehow less capable than the rest of us. That they have no chance of living the life that they want because systemic racism will beat you down. Unless, of course, you surrender more money and control to Washington. It saddens me to see so many people manipulated and influenced by that message. So many young black lives ruined, maybe not murdered senselessly in the streets for some nonviolent or victimless crime, namely in the, like I said, the government war on drugs, but ruined just the same or almost just the same destined for a life of dependence on the state, a life of fear, of wasted potential? And what's the point of going through life like that? Like a slave, but instead of physical chains, they've changed your mind. They've stolen your brain. They've they've taken away your ability to think for yourself and pursue a life of liberty. 
libertarians, we want the same thing that everybody else wants. We want black people in America to be as successful as they can be. We want the most amount of people pulled out of poverty and living the life of their dreams as humanly possible. And that's why I want to hijack this movement, take it back from these racist poverty pimps that are only going to use it to push an agenda that is guaranteed to keep people down and dependent and and make it about the issues that are really oppressing people of color. And that is the state. That is poverty. And those two go hand in hand. The state is like a parasite that sucks resources from the rest of us and leaves poverty and oppression in its wake. We're going to have politicians coming out left and right with all their crime bills and uh, police reform bills and thousands of pages of legislation that they claim are going to help you. Ah, yes, the the first 50,000 pages of rules and regulations and anti-discrimination laws and trillions of dollars stolen from the American people all in the name of helping the poor and the disenfranchised, you know, that couldn't do it. But this time, this time we got it, right? This time we got Joe Biden. We got Kamala Harris, Cory Booker. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, some of the greatest minds the world has ever known. They're going to eliminate poverty, end racism, and hold the police accountable once and for all for their actions. Uh, Okay, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I implore you, think about the absurdity of these claims. Claims they've been making your entire life, while the problems continue to get worse and worse. You can't possibly honestly believe that Joe Biden, who authored that stupid tough-on-crime bill, whatever, that ruined so many black lives, is going to be the one that ends racism in America. Even if that was possible, you really think Joe Biden's the guy to do that? There are no government solutions to problems caused by government. And if you believe that black lives matter, You should be embracing the ideology that can do more to unleash the potential in the black community that can bring more wealth, more opportunity, and more liberty than any other ideology known to man. You should embrace free markets, embrace voluntarism, embrace libertarianism, and reject the most oppressive and destructive entity on the face of the earth, and that is the state. All right, I'm going to wrap there for today, guys. Do me a favor. If you liked what you heard today, give me a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars if you think the show is worth it. Follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. And if you want to become a supporting member of the show, you can go to PedalingFictionPodcast.com. There's a number of options available to do that. You can do one-time donations. You can set up uh, you know, small monthly occurring things if you want. Whatever you want to do, any little bit helps generate income that I can use to grow the show, increase our reach, and, and spread this message of liberty. And if you have a, a business or a product or something that you want to promote on the show, hit me up on Twitter or send an email to peddling at peddlingfictionpodcast.com. Nothing would make me happier than to support liberty-minded entrepreneurs, small businesses, 
while at the same time getting them to support this show that they like to listen to and give my listeners uh, some sort of deal on whatever product or service you're offering. It's one of those glorious situations that can only be brought about by free market interaction. And maybe we can work out some sort of sponsorship deal. I do have some more advertising space available on the show. And if you can do all that for me, I will be back on Friday with a brand new episode for you. Until then, just remember to keep on peddling that so-called